This is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie at CatholicFoodie.com, and you're listening to episode 149 of the Catholic Foodie. What's so Catholic about food? Welcome, folks, to the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. I'm your host, Jeff Young, and today we're talking about this whole, like, Catholic food thing. <laughs> you know, there's one thing about being the Catholic Foodie that's not necessarily highlighted all the time. You know, I guess you could say it's uh, kind of a secret of sorts, maybe the secret. And, uh, the, you know, the Catholic foodie, you see, is not really about the food. Not not really. <laughs> At least it's, it's not just about the food. It's, it's about meals. It's about family. Really, it's about communion. And we're going to talk about that today right here at the Catholic foodie. So don't go nowhere, okay? Because you know what? The Catholic foodie, well, that's where food meets faith. <laughs> I was trying to make that last, you know, trying to make it to the very end there, and I, I, I didn't quite do it. But that's okay, folks. Welcome to another episode of The Catholic Foodie. You know, have you ever noticed that people do not like to eat alone? You know, even sitcoms feature the lonely eater in a sad and, and often funny way. The fact is, as human beings, we do not like to eat in isolation. Eating alone is something that we have to do sometimes uh, because of circumstances, but it's certainly not the ideal. Now, despite our culture's emphasis on food, like the diet craze, first of all, there's a million and two um, diet books out at, uh, at your local uh, bookstore uh, or, or even on Amazon. Uh, food Network is another crazy emphasis on food, right? All the food cooking, the food TV, the celebrity chefs, all the cookbooks, all that stuff, right? We, we have this, our culture has this, uh, this a definite emphasis on food. Uh, however, food is really not about food. <laughs> food is really all about meals. That's what it's about, right? Meals. And uh, we see this even in the Bible. You, know, you, you look back at Genesis, from the very beginning, man was made for what? Man was made for communion. God said it himself. It is not good for man to be alone. Genesis shows us a God who walks with man and woman in the cool of the evening. And this image is one of family of communion. It's an image of communion. So it really is all about the meal. You know, food is meant to be shared. And I find it significant that the story of the fall in Genesis chapter 3, and I'm talking about the fall from grace, right, the original sin, Genesis chapter 3, I find it, I find it significant that that story features food. You know, of course, we, we cannot take the creation story literally, like as if it was a science book, because it's not, uh, however, the images used to convey the truth of who God is and the truth of who we are and how we got into this condition all centers around food. In Genesis chapter 3, we're privy to a conversation between the serpent and Eve, and there's no direct mention of Adam during the conversation, but biblical scholars believe that Adam was right there with Eve and that he failed to do his job, which was to protect the woman and to protect the garden. The only reference that we have to Adam is that Eve ate of the fruit and then gave some to her husband, and this leads us to believe that Adam was actually present. So sin entered the world through the act of eating. I find that very significant. But again, it's not the food, it's the meal. You know, there's a, a Greek, uh, a pagan Greek uh, philosopher, Epicurus, and Epicurus wrote, uh, we should look for someone to eat and drink with before looking for something to eat and drink. And even though this was written by a Greek philosopher, it says a lot to us, I think, as Christians. I think it points out the essence of the problem. 
Uh, the essence of the problem is, you know, food is simply a means to the end, and that end is communion. So sin entered the world through a meal in Genesis chapter 3, but salvation enters the world through a meal too. And in John chapter 6, Jesus says, He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood will have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Again, it's all about the meal. So we see this highlighted in a very dramatic way in the Eucharist, of course. Uh, The Eucharist is a sacrament, uh, which is efficacious. That means that it actually affects what it signifies. And the Eucharist signifies communion. We even refer to the reception of the Eucharist as Holy Communion. So Holy Communion is really the, <laughs> the Catholic meal. You know, it's no coincidence that Jesus instituted the Eucharist within the context of a meal. Uh, true, the Eucharist was instituted during the Passover meal, which was an annual ritual celebration. However, the Passover meal was one of many covenant meals that were celebrated in the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, all of the major covenants that God made with his people were sealed with a meal. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? Again, the meal equals what? The meal equals communion. So when we talk about food today here at the Catholic Foodie, I think it's very important to keep it within its proper context, a meal. If we remove the food from that context, then food really ceases to make sense. And I think that's one of the problems that we have in our culture today. You know, food out of its proper context leads to problems. And for centuries, even longer, removing food from the context of a meal wasn't much of an issue. It wasn't even an option, really. It wasn't until the the, uh, Industrial Revolution when, you know, up until that point, most societies were agrarian. Everything centered around the cultivation and harvesting of food. Without electricity and other comforts of modern technology, the day was much shorter. The sun dictated everything. Women spent most of the day preparing the meals, and it was an all-day affair. Men were out in the fields working or building or hunting. In essence, life was all about food. But food was always a communal event. It was always a meal. So food in its proper context can nourish our souls as well as our bodies. In a sense, we experience communion around the family table at home in a similar way to the communion we experience around the altar at Mass. Food out of context leads to tension and frustration. You know, the statistics of eating disorders is staggering. Many of us try to use food to fill a hole in our hearts, but that just doesn't work. You know, food is not the enemy. But the many diet books lining the shelves of your local bookstore or the virtual shelves of Amazon would lead you to believe that food is the enemy. It, it is not. Uh, we are often our own worst enemies, and we always stand in need of the grace of our merciful God. Now, keeping food in its proper context, a meal, can certainly help. Uh, it would help our relationships, our health, our peace of mind, and even our faith. You know, last year, uh, my son bought me a small wooden placard that says, Christ is the head of this home and the unseen guest at every meal. It sits in the center of our family table as a reminder to us all. Food, by its very nature, is communal. It it, it should lead us to communion with each other and with God, around the table, around the altar. It should also open our eyes to see the dependency that we have on all of creation and on God. You know, we cannot feed ourselves without farmers 
and a network of businesses, there would be no food on our tables. All that we receive is a gift from God. So we need each other, and we need God. And in today's society, we tend to glorify the self-made man. We hold on in high esteem the assertive individual, the one who makes things happen. And because of our technology, we are often blinded to the reality that we are totally dependent on God and His goodness. So for us today, I believe that food is a wonderful way to grab a hold of the reality that we are indeed dependent on God and His goodness for everything. He provides for us the food that we eat, uh, and, and the awareness of our dependency on God, which food can help us to obtain, can open up for us a richer sense of communion in our families, in our churches, and with God. Something as simple as the old traditional uh, blessing before meals and the Thanksgiving prayer after meals can help us to make this dependence or can help to make this dependence real for us. So I want to share these two with you. I'm sure these are common, very common. You probably already know these, but just for grins, I will share these two prayers with you. Very simple. Sometimes we elaborate. Sometimes we add things. Sometimes we pray just from our hearts, but uh, the the old tradition or traditional prayers, uh, blessing before meals is, Bless us, O Lord, and these thy gifts, which we are about to receive from thy bounty. Through Christ our Lord, amen. And then the Thanksgiving after meals, We give you thanks, Almighty God, for these and all thy benefits which we have received from thy goodness. Through Christ our Lord, amen. Now, we always include an invocation for the faithful departed because one day, by the grace of God, I will be among their number. So, uh, (laughs) we like to pray, Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord, and may uh, perpetual light shine upon them. May the souls of the faithful departed rest in peace, amen. Wow. Boy, that's a lot to think about, huh? A lot to think about today. Growing in faith around the family table during the year of faith. You know, I I have written about this recently at catholicfoodie.com. This year has been named the year of faith, and I offered some suggestions of ways that families can grow in faith around the family table during the year of faith over at catholicfoodie.com. You'll find those there. Uh, But what are some of the ways that you can grow in faith around the table with your family during this year of faith. You know, we are in Advent, and so there are Advent wreaths and Advent meditation books galore out there. Uh, Our family this year, last year we used uh, Sarah Reinhardt's Welcome Baby Jesus, which is excellent. And this year, Lisa Hendy has a new one out called O Radiant Dawn, and we're using that one this year with our uh, Advent wreath. But, uh, you know, there are lots of different ways that you can grow in faith around the family table, and I would love to hear how you are growing in faith this year around the family table with your family. You can always give me a call at 985-635-4974 and leave a voice message that I can play right here on the show. I'd love to hear your voice, 985-635-4974. You can also record an MP3 file on your iPhone or Android or on your computer, and you can email that to me at jeff at catholicfoodie.com. Either way, I get to hear your voice, and that would be wonderful. I look forward to hearing from you, and uh, please let me know if you have any questions for the Catholic Foodie, any suggestions, any ideas for ways to grow in faith around the family table this year. That's what I'd like to know, 985-635-4974. And until next time, bon appétit.
SQPN, leading the way in Catholic new media.